You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Welcome to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. Julia Tusheri and Mike DeStefano with you. We're at Scotiabank Arena today. A couple of Florida Panthers still... Still trickling around on the ice right yep. now, AB, for their morning skate. Leafs already had their morning skate and morning availability for their game versus the Florida Panthers tonight. You can hear that on TSN 1050. Joe Bowen and Jim Ralph will be on our air at 7 p.m. tonight at, as the Leafs look to avoid dropping three in a row, AB, versus this Florida Panthers team that uh, was kind of written off and and still, I feel is kind of in the written-off territory. Uh, no, not really, but there's definitely not a lot of buzz around this Florida Panthers team well, right now, the way that there was last year when they won the President's Trophy. Yeah. Uh, they had a good first round. Who did they play in the first round and beat? Boston? Uh, yes. No. Who did they? Why Washington? Was Washington. Washington. They, they beat Washington in the first round. Barely. Like, by the skin of their teeth, yeah. just got through Washington. And then we all had to watch decimated. in dismay as the Tampa Bay Lightning just just dismantled them in yeah. four measly games. But right now, the way the Atlantic Division shakes out is the Boston Bruins running away with it, as is well documented, with 72 points. Mm-hmm. Leafs at 59. Lightning, closer to the Leafs than, than maybe a lot of people are aware because it felt like the Leafs were locked in, or it feels kind of like the Leafs are locked in at second place. Not necessarily the case with the Lightning at 57 points. And then there's a little bit of a gap before you get to the Florida Panthers uh, with 46 points. But it's not out of grasp for the Florida Panthers to get back in the mix here. Well, I think it's they're not going to get back in the, into the divisional race. But they can still grab one of those wild card spots. And over in the Metro, you've got Pittsburgh and the Islanders who are kind of hovering around 40, I think they have 48 points or, or so. So they're only a couple of points out of the playoff spot. I think four points out of a playoff spot uh, going into tonight's game. So, you know, they're, they're, they can still make it through a wild card. I, I just, when it comes to division, it, that, that race is over. Yeah. I, and that race is certainly over. But this is a team that's playing well. They've won five of their last seven games. Um, they're coming off a victory yesterday afternoon. They won a game against uh, Buffalo, 4-1. to one, And, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky was out there. He was playing well. He's been playing better of late. And that's a big issue, I think. When you look at the Florida Panthers and the games they've won and lost this season, like the splits, really you could just look at it and say, well, how'd the goalie do? And if the goalie did well, typically they came out ahead on the victorious end. And if the goalie did not do well, which unfortunately for them has been a lot more often than they would have hoped this season, um, they've usually come away with uh, with with a loss in that game. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see who ends up getting the start for them tonight, though. We haven't heard from Paul Maurice. He won't speak for a couple more hours. Um, but... So it, it could be Bobrovsky again. I did see some reports saying, well, it was an afternoon game, so maybe there was enough time for him to rest up and, and feel refreshed and recovered that he could play tonight. If not, Alex Leon potentially could be a, a guy who could start. And then there's also been a report out there that potentially Spencer Knight could get activated off uh, the injured list and, and end up making tonight's start. So we're not sure who's going to be in goal, but uh, regardless, if the Florida Panthers want to stand a chance against this Maple Leafs team, who are coming in pretty hungry, right? They've lost a couple in a row, and as you mentioned, don't want to drop a third straight in regulation. they got to get some points with Tampa on their on their heels now. Um, whatever goalies in net for them, they're, they're going to have to be sharp tonight, because I think the Maple Leafs are, uh, they're going to have one tonight. They're going to have a good game. Yeah, that was a big win for 
for the Panthers yesterday versus Buffalo. Buffalo was really hot on their heels behind them, 44 points to, to Florida's 46. Well, that was, a, that that was, was a pretty important game. At, well, that's like a four-point game last night for them. Yeah. Right? Like, they lose that game instead of being up two points on Buffalo. Now you're down two points on the Buffalo Sabres in the playoff race. So that, yeah. that was a big win for them last Three point night. Three-point night for Matty Kachuk last Dude, night. this guy is just unfreaking believable Honestly, like... It's so weird because when you look at the Florida Panthers, like think about it last year at the when they made the trade, I was very skeptical on that deal. I'm like, oh, man, that's a lot to give up for Matt Kachuk. They gave up Uyghur, Huberdeau, and a first-round pick and a prospect. Cole Schwint, I think, went back in the deal as well yeah. for Matt Kachuk. And I remember scratching my head thinking, like, can he really provide that much to the team? If you look at their record, maybe, you know, maybe – Panthers fans might look at that and say, mm, maybe you redo it. But he has pulled his weight. He's been unbelievable this year. Yeah, he, he really has. And you know what? While we're talking about trades, uh, 26 years ago today, I think, was the Pavel Burry trade. Ed Jovanovsky oh. involved in that one. We're going to have him on in the next hour and a half. After we have Darren Dreger on at 12. We actually have a loaded show today, A.B. Jovanovsky, Darren Dreger will join us at about 12.20, and then Mark Masters is somewhere in the bowels of this building right now. So we got Dregs, Jovo Cop, yep. and the leader of Masters Nation. The king of Masters Nation. So that's pretty solid when it comes to uh, to nickname game, too. Yeah. I, I just, Jovo Cop to me is still maybe the greatest nickname of uh, of all time. Um, yeah, I, I think that tonight's going to be... A game, though, where Toronto's going to have to make sure that they don't let Kachuk, like if we go back to him, they can't let Kachuk get into their heads. Yeah. They can't let that happen. Like the last seven games where the Panthers have won five of those seven, like I was digging into the numbers a little bit, and it's, it's not that they've been running away with these games and that their numbers have been super strong. They've been just killing it on the power play, 41% power play rate over the course of the last uh, seven games, four of which they've scored multi goals on the power play. So uh, tonight, I think making sure that Toronto stays out of the penalty box is probably going to be uh, like one of the keys for them tonight, and, and not giving in to Makachuk and those antics has to be right up there at the top. And I'm looking at Michael Bunting. Yep. Like I'm specifically looking at Michael Bunting tonight saying, listen, buds, let's not, uh, let's not go there. I know that you love to get in the mix, and you, you love to play on that edge like Kachuk, but you look at what's kind of happened of late. He's gotten a little bit of a bad reputation. Yeah. You know, he's now up there among the league leaders in, in penalties taken. Penalties drawn as well, but those are coming less frequently, and now the penalties taken are starting to take a little bit of a, 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 a nice little uptick for him. And you know that's what the refs are going to be looking at anytime those two are on the ice together. What's going on with Bunting and Kachuk? Yeah. So, so Leafs Nation, do not, if, if Michael Bunting starts drawing penalties again, do not tweet about it. We will not talk about it on this show because we cannot <laughs> attract any more attention to Michael Bunting yeah. being good at drawing penalties. Um, I know Ilya Samsonov isn't playing tonight, but he still had this absolutely incredible quote about Matthew Kachuk. So it's going to be Matt Murray that gets the start tonight versus the Florida Panthers. But Matthew Kachuk in the building, and this is what Ilya Samsonov had to say about playing Kachuk. Ah, uh, yeah, he's sneaky, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, it's really hard to play against him. He's uh, 
like a mosquito, yeah, <laughs> for a goalie, for a defenseman. Uh, but still, he's a good player, yeah. He's a good leader for uh, uh, Florida. Still be interesting. I, I like it play with uh, these guys. Who, who is the best best players in the league? It's so interesting. Uh, new experience. Yeah. He's a big mosquito. Yeah. He's so big. Yeah. <laughs> so big. Big mosquito. Oh god. Big mosquito. Samsonov is such a gem when it comes to the post-game sound and the pre-game sound. Yeah. He's. He. You know. It's. It's funny because we loved. I don't know what it is with goaltenders in in Toronto, but like we seem to really gravitate toward them. Like James Reimer was such a, a, a beauty; everybody loved him. Soupy Campbell, everyone loved Campbell, and now you got Ilya Samsonov is becoming a media darling too. Yeah, yeah, some serious goalie love. It's the Andy Petrillo effect. <laughs> That's uh, what it is in Toronto. Here, should we go through some housekeeping notes for for the Leafs? What yeah. we observed and saw and smelled and heard at morning skate. Sure. Uh, in terms of smells, there was some gear wafting, popcorn wafting through the arena as well. TJ Brody was back on the ice today before the Leafs skated for morning skate today, though, so he was getting some extra work in, maybe a bit of a promising sign as as he works back from injury. The other defenseman update that we got today, Victor Mete, bigger bigger injury or more significant injury than than we thought initially. Ab. Yeah, and well, that's not the uh, the the first player in the last twenty four hours. We've heard that about with the Maple Leafs, right? Oh, so Victor yeah. Mete, that that injury is going to be a little bit more significant, some more time for him. But then we also got news yesterday about uh, Nick Robertson. Going to be out for the season. Uh, shoulder surgery is required. They were rehabbing it, so he had that injury um, a, a couple of months ago now, and he kind of went into the show, went into the boards. I remember watching the game. I was, here, was here live, yeah, yeah. Right, right down below me. Went into the boards hard, and um, you know I saw him skating off, and I knew immediately it was a shoulder. Like, the only injury that I've ever had in sports was a shoulder injury. So the second I see one happen, in the way that. And it's so blatant, too, drops. in the way that your shoulder slumps. It just droops, yeah. and you're like, oh, that's that's not good at all. Um, they're hoping to rehab it, but obviously uh, yesterday they were doing a bit of a checkup, and it looks like the rehab just wasn't going as swimmingly as they had hoped, and he's going to undergo surgery, and, and he'll be out for at least six months, which puts him out for the season. And that's just so tough for Nick Robertson. Like uh, The guy has played 86 total hockey games since March of 2020. Yeah, I don't even know what to say about Nick Robertson anymore other than my my thoughts are with him. I, I My heart hurts for this kid because we know what he could do. We watched him in junior. We saw him have a pretty good showing in the bubble. Amazing preseason for him this year with Had the Leafs. Had that great game against Dallas and the Robertson so showdown. So good. Such a, such a good game and, and such a promising young player but just can't seem to stay stay healthy and no. when you and I talked to him prior to the season at uh, media, media day, day one of his main goals and of course it was was just staying healthy this year and getting a full year in yeah like, I feel for him we, big we asked, time we, we asked him like straight up like hey what's what's your goal for the season and, he, and you know it was less about making the leaps and being yeah. a full-time NHLer and more about just just staying being healthy. healthy like wherever I'm playing I just want to be playing yeah right because that hasn't been the case in the last couple of seasons and um, so yeah, some really tough news that he's going to be out. And I mean, like he's he's only 21. It's 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 so weird to almost feel like this guy's career's getting cut short before it even starts because he is only 21, and there's still so much time for him to you know get there and, and become a, an everyday NHLer. But for some reason, it just feels like man, this guy just has the worst luck. And you know, you hope that it, it eventually comes for him. 
and eventually has that healthy season and can stay healthy throughout his career. But like at 21 years old now, you've missed three crucial years of development. It's it's tough. Like I don't. It's it's really really unfortunate what's going on with uh, Nick Robertson early in his career. It's crazy how his stock has changed throughout the year too. Yeah. Just just the amount that he was on the Leafs' radar. He was as people were coming into training camp. Nick Robertson was the focal point for a lot of people. As uh, people were hoping he was going to be the guy to make a jump, maybe play with Tavares and Nylander. You now Tavares and Nylander aren't even pairing right now, wow. so a lot has changed. <laughs> a lot has changed. Uh, the I other wonder, one is Mac Hollowell. Well, I, I didn't even really, realize that. Well, oh, really ahead. quickly on on Nick Robertson, I'm curious. Maybe we can ask Dregs about this. Like, was he in the Leafs' plans? Maybe at the deadline. Like, was he somebody who the Leafs thought, okay, potentially he's somebody, if he comes back and, and plays a couple of games and, you know, we could give him a, a nice little showcase, could he be one of those pieces that we can go and get the guy we want? Whether yeah. it's, you know, a, a Ryan O'Reilly or, uh, you know, one of the big fish that are out there that, that the Maple Leafs might be interested in. Bo Horvat's another name that's been out there, Kuzmenko. Whoever it may be, was he maybe part of the plan? And now that that injury is here, does that put a damper like the, the Leafs now have less assets to move at the deadline yeah and right? Nick Robertson is a wildly unpredictable asset now because he, 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 like if you trade him value? off his stock is really low right now but does he I hope he ends up having an incredible career once he's able to get the health thing on track and get some games in you know what I mean so he Will he end up being a le- another Leafs Nation when well, they got away kind it's, of vibe? It's, it's almost, like, it's not the exact same, but it's kind of reminiscent to Connor Timmins. Right, Like, yeah. Connor Timmins, the reason why Toronto was able to get him for so cheap for, for Curtis Douglas was because he just couldn't stay healthy. Yeah. Right? He couldn't stay healthy, battled uh, many, many injuries, and then ultimately just needed to change his scenery. And, um, you know, he was 24. Again, Robertson only 21, so there's still a couple of years for him to get things back on track. But that almost seems like that's the route that it's going, where maybe it's just kind of a, I need a change of scenery because the Malocchio is just here in Toronto the right now. The all over and we Toronto. Need, we need something to change up for uh, for this kid. So I, that's just kind of what went through my mind as well, almost thinking like, man, this this almost seems like a similar trajectory as, as Connor Timmons, someone that had a terrific junior career and then um, you know really never was able to get his career underway and took some big, big um, dents into his development with the amount of time that he had missed early on in his career and it seems like Nick Robertson's going to be in the same boat like he's not going to be able to play again until he's I think he's going to be close to like 22 years old by the time he gets back on the ice next season yeah so, so I guess that's one almost positive maybe to note if you're Nick Robertson that he Nick Robertson's only 21 which is something that we have to hammer home he just feels like he's been on the least radar Doesn't he feel for like so long he's 25, 25 or something year old prospect. no he's 21 <laughs> and and we're hoping for the best for him and we hope uh, we hope is he's apparently at home right now so we hope is his recovery and his rehab yeah. goes well uh, before we go to break and, and get to Dregs on the other side, Mac Hollowell also is going to miss 12 weeks. He's got a, what, a split kneecap? Oof. That doesn't sound like very a fractured kneecap, so he's going to be out for 12 weeks. Just quickly, he's played six games, has two points for the Leafs on the blue line this season. Victor Mete is also out right now. TJ Brody, like we boast about all this depth, depth at defense, and and it keeps getting chipped away at, yeah. and, and yet they still keep, seem to perform 
well defensively, well, game in and game out. They might get some uh, some reinforcements back sometime soon. TJ Brody, as you mentioned, was skating on the ice ahead of uh, morning skate today and yesterday. Sheldon Keefe said, yeah, I was given a two-week timeline originally, and it's been, you know, about a week or so since that, and I think it's been about 10 days, actually, since he went on IR. So I think his return could be could be rather soon. It's not going to be tonight, but it could be coming pretty soon, which, I mean, I, I would think that Morgan Riley will be really happy to get that guy just back. stabilizing uh, presence, Oh, yeah. just get him back, and, and hopefully that can help get him back on track, because He's been in one. We talked about it. Uh, we talked about it a lot yesterday, and you know, I, you know, Ed Jovanovski is going to join us in about twenty minutes or so, and I'm going to, you know, ask him a couple of things like, "Hey, when you were not feeling it, you went through a bit of a tough stretch. Like, you know, how did you get your game back on track? Right. You know, what 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 advice would you have maybe for Mo? Um, so I'll be excited to to ask him. But on the other side, our TSN hockey insider Darren Dreger going to join us. Uh, it's a Leafs game day. We're down at Scotia Bank Arena today for the show. Uh, you can listen to the game tonight on TSN 1050, Leafs and Panthers. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julie Tasheri. Listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Welcome into Scotiabank Arena. Julie Tasheri and Mike DiStefano with you. The Florida Panthers are just wrapping their morning skate ahead of the Leafs and Panthers, a game you can hear on TSN 1050 tonight. 7 p.m. Puck drop with Bonesy and Ralphie. Right now, we've got our TSN Hockey Insider, Darren Drager, on the phone. And Dregs, I saw something last night that I'm not sure that I've ever seen before. A TSN Hockey Insider wearing a sports jersey. Pierre Lebrun <laughs> rocking it at the Cowboys game. Looked like a lot of fun. When is the last time Darren Dreger has sported a, a jersey? Uh, well, you know, I, I'm thinking about this. Uh, maybe as a player in some way, shape. Yep. Get out loud. You know, my son, I think there were there was a charity event or a provincial championship or an OMHA championship or something like that where to show support for the Whippy Wildcats, the parents. That gotcha. sort of thing. But... We got. I don't know if we can maybe try and get him back. I think he's coming in and out on that one, so try and get him. But supporting the sun is uh, that's it. it. Like yeah. he, 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 so it's not a professional jersey. Yeah. So supporting, I supporting the boy. I don't throw on jerseys a lot anymore. Like I used to be every time jersey at the game, girl. See, I was never really jer- like as a kid. I guess I did. But, like, when I became an adult, I guess, I, I never really started putting jerseys. When I became older than the people that I was wearing on the back of my, like, I Is that when stopped. it gets weird? When you start getting older than the players I don't, know, like, I don't care. Themselves? People can do what they want to do. But I, I just, I was never really jersey guy. No, it's not the, it's not the yeah. age thing. It's the working in sports thing that makes it weird. Right, Drags? Yeah, sorry about that. I'm not no, sure don't worry. what happened. But, look, in defense of Pierre, he's an unabashed, Super fan of the Dallas Cowboys. He is like yep. Chris Johnson's a little bit more muted, um, but in Pierre's case, like I've done podcasts with Ryan Rashog and, and Pierre LeBron, where you know it's it's the morning and he's sitting in his home office, his home studio, and he's got like a Cowboys toque on and a Cowboys T-shirt on, and God knows what other memorabilia, paraphernalia related to the Cowboys he's wearing. So. He, he takes Superfan to a higher level in terms of working in major sport industry. Right? I mean, um, look, I mean, we're getting into a busy time here. 
And I think he just came out of another minor hockey weekend with his kids. So he gets on a flight, I think yesterday morning, to go to Tampa Bay to go to that football game, the Cowboys and the Bucks. And then he's out of Tampa Bay. I think he just landed in Toronto not that long ago. If that doesn't scream of a super fan, oh, yeah. given everything that we've got going and he has going in his world, I don't know what does. I'm pretty sure he may have also been working while at the game because I, I shot him a text yesterday after they went up like 31-6 to 6 or something like that, and I said, you must be having the time of your life. I'm so happy for you, knowing that he was sitting you know, in the hundreds on like the 50-yard line, and he shoots me a note legitimately like 10 seconds later. I'm like, Pierre, why are you on your phone? Like, I did not expect to get a message back there. <laughs> oh, yeah. What are you on your phone? And I'm like, he's probably sitting there texting general managers and seeing what's going on in the hockey world. He better be because we have insider trading tonight and That's right. again on Thursday. So <laughs> he's got to pull his weight. No NFL football game is going to get in the way of us delivering the news, damn it. That's right. That's Love right. Uh, well, speaking of, let's let's get to the news of yesterday because I would say the biggest probably hockey news right now is, is what's going on in Vancouver. What were your takeaways from the Jim Rutherford press conference? Uh, to be fair, I was impressed by Jim Rutherford. Uh, you know, it's not often you see the, the president of an NHL club stand in there just past the uh, midpoint of the season and answer question after question after question. Now, normally, you know, those questions are directed to the general manager, some cases the head coach. But because of everything that's gone into this season, most recently, you know, the, the issues medically with Tanner Pearson that have now cost him the rest of this season, Rutherford obviously felt like it's his responsibility to, to answer all of those questions. So he wasn't naive enough to think that this was only going to be a medical update and he would have to defend the, the medical department of the Vancouver Canucks and the secondary opinions that, that they introduced with Pearson, etc. He knew that there would be Boudreaux questions. He knew that there would be retool quote-unquote, rebuild, which he doesn't want to talk about questions, all of that. Um, so he, he hung in there, to be fair. I, I don't think there were too many questions that didn't go asked, right? So uh, I thought he was honest. I thought he was forthcoming. There were a couple of things that, that surprised me. Uh, the one was the acknowledgement that they literally have talked to other candidates, and we've all yeah. speculated on the possibility of, of Rick Tockett from TNT being at the top of the list and perhaps something gets done there. But to be that open when you've got a veteran NHL coach on your bench in Moudreau and openly talk about trying to, to, to find his successor while he's still coaching, I, I, yeah, I've been covering the National Hockey League since the early 90s, and I feel like this is a first. Guys get fired all the time. Like, you know, they – Coaches get fired. Okay, here's an interim coach till the end of the year, or you, you're fortunate enough to, to have a, a coach in the waiting, like Rick Tockett. Okay, you make that move. But to acknowledge publicly that you're still talking to potential candidates, that was, uh, that was a surprising one for me. Yeah, the only word I could give it is is interesting, Dregs. What, what do you Bizarre. make of that's my word that situation? Yeah, that's a good one, too. What, what's the thought process, do you think, behind keeping Boudreaux behind the bench? And also, yeah. what, what, what are they hoping to recover this season? And why not just ride yeah. it out with Bruce till the end? Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, I guess the only reason you wouldn't ride it out with Bruce is if you can nail down Pocket or 
a guy that's coming in on a longer term, right? Your next full-time head coach. And you give that coach, you know, the remainder of the regular season to get that structure that everybody talks about around the bench. And, you know, a working mentality, philosophy, all of those good things that you need to build a good organization. Well, you can, you can implant some of that, you know, in the weeks remaining to the end of the regular season. And maybe that does give you a little bit of a head start when you go into the start of next year, which is why Rutherford maybe didn't want to say renovate or rebuild, more of a retool, if they can get that person in place. Otherwise, um, I mean, it, it well, there are two other things that come to mind. One, you know, you have to get to a point, I think Vancouver is there now, where you know it's a lost season, right? You're not going to be in the playoff mix. So your focus is on changing the core, which you also talked about, and that will come perhaps organically in, uh, in Bo Horvath, the captain, maybe Brock Besser, maybe a, a Tyler Myers, you know, bigger pieces like that. Um, so, you know, you wanted to wait to make sure that you're in the position where you feel like you absolutely have to make the coaching change in the near future as opposed to letting Bruce go to the end of the year. And then thirdly, and nobody's acknowledged this, and I don't get the sense that the Aquilini's, the owner, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, is putting any pressure on Jimmy or has said at any point, look, you, you can't make the coaching change because I'm not paying for this. But, you know, we know that, that uh, Boudreaux's contract does expire at the end of the season. We know they're still paying Travis Green. So can you get creative financially where, say it's Rick Tockett, essentially takes over, you've got a little bit of money to pay Boudreaux, and then next year, you know, the the bigger deal, the the bigger numbers for Rick Tockett or the coach they hire takes into effect. So those three things are, are the three areas that I think make most sense we're trying to figure out why they haven't fired Bruce at this stage. We're chatting with Darren Dreger, TSN Hockey Insider. Um, one of the other, I think, notable things that came from that presser was, you know, the, the verbiage that he had used saying um, not all of our core is going to still be yeah. here long term and then said uh, he believed it was going to be minor surgery when he got here but now believes it's going to take major surgery to get this team back up to where uh, yeah. they're expected to get to. I guess when it comes to the roster, do you believe that there is any untouchables there or is it kind of open for business? If you give us an offer, we're yeah. going to and not really, really intently. Well, there'd be untouchables for me. I can't imagine that they're interested in moving Quinn Hughes. I can't imagine that they're interested in moving Elias Pettersson. Um, and it would take a hell of a deal, you know, if I were in management there to consider moving Thatcher Demko. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're Demko, um, you know, I, 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 he to me seems the most logical if you're even willing to go there. The reason Pettersson wouldn't be is only if Elias Patterson says, well, I'm, I'm not signing here long-term. I'm telling you that right now. Well, then you get into that, that awkward and, and transitional phase where you know, you got to wrestle with, okay, well, let's let the player calm down. He's represented by CAA Hockey, which is Patterson and J.P. Berry. They're never going to do anything wickedly knee-jerk, but if you're Patrick Alvin or Jim Rutherford, you need to get a real strong handle on what that looks like with Patterson moving forward. But those would be two of those three, if not all three, would be the untouchables. And I'm not even looking at some of their younger guys and some of the prospects that they've got coming. 
We're with our TSN Hockey Insider right now, Darren Dreger, and the trade buzz hopefully is beginning tra- uh, drags. What, what's the trade buzz like right now? It's interesting. We're talking about Vancouver, and they're kind of yeah. uh, a team everyone has circled to be fairly active at the deadline. And then yeah. we've heard GMs say that the cap, while well, we heard uh, Rutherford yeah. yesterday say how hard things are with the cap. So are you expecting yeah. a, a busy trade deadline with all the fish that are av- available and such an attractive first overall pick this year? Or, or is yeah. the cap going to maybe slow things down a bit? Well, it always has uh, uh, a hindrance, for sure. Uh, but we've lived through that, right? That's the way it's been for you know the last number of years now. Um, you know, I should have mentioned Andre Kuzmenko, you know, in talking about the Vancouver Canucks, because that's an interesting piece, a really interesting piece. So, you know, the Canucks have to get to a place where, you know, they're willing to pay him $6 million or north of $6 million on an extension, or is his trade value worth, more in the bigger picture of doing that major surgery and retooling, as Rutherford talked about. Um, and then, look, if we're talking about Kuzmenko, just given his cap hit for this year, I mean, he would be a real attractive ad for just about any team, any playoff contending oh, yeah. team, any top contending team. You know, if you're looking to, to add a, a, an offensive piece, of course you're going to call. So maybe you take something like that. Um, you know, the checkering stuff has been out there. It's endless. You know, is Ottawa going to do anything? Probably not. Maybe they sell a piece off here and there just based on where they're at in the standings. You know, the St. Louis Blues guys are keeping it interesting, aren't they, in the West? So, mm-hmm. you know, Doug Armstrong might keep the powder dry there. He's going to have a tough decision to make with Tarasenko and O'Reilly. Could he conceivably use those two players as own rentals, as we used to call them, um, and, and see what they can do in the playoffs? Don't know. And, and even though I grow tired of saying this and you guys are sick of hearing it, it's still early. And, and it is, you know, we're at the midpoint of January, but the cap does continue to go down as you get closer to, uh, to the March 3rd trade deadline. So there's always trade discussion, but do I get a sense that there's anything imminent? No, nothing really that would be considered front burner. Which is interesting because I think when you look at Toronto in particular, like Kyle Dubas has been a guy who's – kind of been one of the GMs to get out early and, and make that move. You think about the Campbell deal a couple of years ago, the the, the Jake Muzzin trade, the Labushkin deal that he had made also. Yeah. Like, he, he is a guy who has been known yeah. to get ahead of the trade market a little bit. He has. Um, look, I, you know, Connor Timmons was considered to be a minor trade with the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah. And, okay, I mean, he had a, a tough night the other night with Morgan Riley. Um, but for the most part, I would say that, you know, the, the limited body of work has been pretty good in a Toronto Maple Leafs uniform, right? And sometimes those small deals can turn into much bigger ones. I Look, I, you know, I'm not here to, to beat the Kyle Dubas drum, but when you look at the collection of, of smaller deals that he's made, that it's impressive over the course of his resume. And, and, you know, I think that that's what he's looking to do here moving forward. I think Toronto would like to add a, a shutdown defenseman probably isn't going to be a bigger money guy because they can't afford to do that. But Dubas does his due diligence. Those who surround him, you know, the resources that he has, they do strong work. So I'm sure they've got a list of players that they've identified that they think could be a good fit if or when the time is right. And I would apply that to, to a piece up front on the wing as well. You know, if they could find an affordable top six winger and they could flag Callie Yarncroke down into the bottom six, I think Toronto would be formidable. I think that they'd like their chance 
against just about anybody in the East. And I look, you want to go back to the Boston game on the weekend? Um, yeah, I mean, there were some things that they have to clean up, but it wasn't a uh, like a five-alarm fire. <laughs> no. Austin Matthews scored a highlight real goal. Sure, they made some mistakes. People are screaming they need to see more from Morgan Riley. Okay, well, I think we can all agree, can't we, that what we've seen from Morgan Riley at this point of his NHL career is that he is going to return to form. He's, he's had some bumps. He's had you know some, some issues. He's coming back from that knee injury. But there's one thing that I wouldn't worry one second about if I were a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, and that is the playing future of Morgan Riley in a blue and white uniform. You know, he's, he's in a tough patch right now, but that's going to be short-lived. Well, I think if there's one person who could be happy, because I think Sheldon Keefe spoke yesterday, I don't know if you have an update on it, about maybe when we'll see T.J. Brody return. You know, he's played really well when he's been with Brody, but it's been a bit of a revolving door yeah. this season yeah. with all the injuries. I think once he gets back, I assume that they'll, those will get reunited, and, and that will probably be when we see the, the Morgan Riley of old hopefully return. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it, it, it's not entirely easy when you're, ta- you're playing with different defense partners and, and all of that, but Morgan has done that through a good portion of, of his career. Not having T.J. Brody upsets things. Obviously it does because of his presence. Um, you know, the mindset between Brody and Riley is definitely in sync. T.J. knows his role. Uh, Morgan knows that when T.J. is there, you know, he can really ratchet up the offensive side of his game. And I think that I, I sometimes wonder if that's what people – you know, judge Morgan Riley on. You know, okay, again, against Boston, that pairing had a tough outing. So be it. You move on. But, you know, we judge players on on offense um, no matter what. And sometimes that's a little bit unfair. But this does speak to what T.J. Brody can provide to the, the Maple Leafs. And, look, he, he's taken his time because they want him to, to, to get back to as close to 100% as he possibly can. And in the meantime, there's nothing wrong with, you know, giving other players, be it Gibbons or others, a little bit more responsibility because you can't be sure, absolutely sure, that you're going to find the upgrade that you're hoping to find at an affordable price between now and the trade deadline. So if that's the case and you're not able to do that, you'd better like your defensive core and hopefully – you know, they're as healthy as they can be when you drop puck in game one of the playoffs. Yeah, and tonight it'll be Timothy Lilligren that's going to get the opportunity alongside Morgan Riley. Nice uh, uptick in, in, in ice time yeah. for him tonight, I would expect. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it there, Dregs. Really appreciate the time, as always. We'll uh, look forward to hearing you on Insider Trading later today. All right. Enjoy the game, guys. All right. You as well. There he goes. Darren Dreger, our TSN Hockey Insider. Uh, we got to fly quick because on the other side, we got Ed Jovanoski, the Jovo cop. Love it. Joining us, Panthers uh, analyst, former defenseman for the Panthers, Canucks, uh, many teams in the National Hockey League. And there's a big trade. Today's a big anniversary of when he was traded for Pavel Burry. We'll ask him what he remembers about that day. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tashiri. It was an Elise Lunch here on TSN 1050. Okay, we don't usually get the country tunes going on least lunch, but I'm into Florida Jordan Line this this fine Tuesday morning. Oh, makes sense. You got the Florida Panthers oh, in town. You didn't put that, two and two together? No, I didn't put oh, two and two together, geez. even a little bit. 
Josh is on the ball. Josh is on the ball. I am not. Uh, Julie, Sherry, Mike Stefano with you at Scotiabank Arena, where the Leafs will pay, play the Panthers tonight. Uh, 7 p.m. puck drop with Joe Bowen and Jim Ralph. And right now, to tee that one up, we've got Ed Jovanovsky on the phone right now, former Panthers defenseman, currently an analyst for the team. Ed, how's it going today? Hey, how you guys doing? Oh my god, a little response here. out of your dog first. I, I like that. He he was right on the ball. I don't, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> what, what kind you know, of pup he got there, Ed? They got a couple golden doodles. One ninety, one like thirty. Hey, get him in five. But uh yeah, they're they're good, all good. Keep us That's company, awesome. you know? Uh pretty big anniversary today and this day in 99 you were part of that monster deal that sent uh bury the other way you and was it a seven player deal giant one what do you remember about this day 26 years ago oh boy wow the anniversary so um my daughter was six months old and all that she's 24 now so it's been a while um yeah i was just at the dinner table and, and um the late brian murray uh, called me, he's like, uh, yeah, you know, we traded you. And um, I'm back to where? <laughs> he's like, Vancouver. And next thing I know, 6 a.m., I'm on a flight. I'm meeting Vancouver and Dallas. We had Dallas, Nashville, back-to-back. So, um, you know, from, from my daughter being six months old and kind of, you know, getting on a plane and getting away, um, you know, it's part of the, part of the business is, I don't know if it was just young at the time and just didn't really digest much of what was going on other than the fact that, you know, I'm moving teams and I'm still playing the game I love and understand uh, down the road that it is business and, and, and trades happen. So it worked out pretty good for me in Vancouver, so I can't complain. Yeah, I mean, you guys ended up doing pretty well. A couple Hall of Famers, too, that ended up uh, getting inducted this year that you're playing with there with the Twins. Uh, we're chatting with Ed Jovanovsky, the Jovo Cop, one of the greatest nicknames in hockey history. Uh, and also a Panthers analyst, and they're, they're in Toronto tonight. So Leafs uh, hosting the Florida Panthers. Currently have a playoff spot as we speak, though. And, and considering mm-hmm. that this is a team that's coming off a season where they had won the President's Trophy as the top team in the NHL in the regular season last year, I mean, how big of a disappointment has this year been for the Panthers? Well, it's been it's been tough. There's no question. I mean, you know, trying to follow up kind of what happened last year, everything, you know, went in the Panthers' favor. Obviously, winning the, with the President's Trophy team that no matter what the situation was during the game. Uh, always felt and believed that this team, as a fan outside and team that and a guy that covers the team, that there will always be an opportunity at some point to get themselves back in the game. This year, not so much. Kind of finding themselves down in games, having a tough time, you know, getting back, you know, to level and and possibly taking the lead. So they've been chasing, you know, that way. Um, inconsistent, I guess you can say, is is the word, but. You know, let's talk about now. I think they're kind of finding something. The start of the year, uh, Coach Maurice, you know, talked about this team changing a, changing a few things and, and playing that defensive style game that more correlates to, you know, playoff hockey. And we're starting to see that right now. They put a couple games together. Yeah, they're, you know, they're four points out of that wild card spot. They have obviously played a little bit more games. Uh, but you're starting to see things click. Tonight would be a good test. Uh, you know, the Leafs obviously losing a couple in a row and Panthers winning a couple, so it'll be a good matchup. But 
I, I think the trending in the right direction, the belief is there in, in the group. Uh, it's not going to be easy. They can't afford to lose. Uh, you know, my, my partner uh, Goldstein told me, I, I think it's like 9 to 11 games they can't really afford to lose. They really got to get on some sort of roll here to, you know, uh, get themselves back into it. But you're seeing signs of it, and hopefully they can do it. Yeah, the first half of the NHL season was crazy. I feel like the injury bug was out around the whole league, but the Florida Panthers specifically with Ekblad and Barkov both having major injuries, Duclair, mm-hmm. Knight, Hornquist out right now. How, how much of the injuries do you think impacted that whole first half of the season? Well, it's got to have you know, some impact on it. I mean, these are you know top-end guys, Barkov. Um, you know, anytime you lose a player like that, that's so important in all three areas of the ice. Um you know, as a, one of the best 200-foot players and being him being gone for a while and then trying to get traction again when he comes back. It's not as easy as, you know, just kind of stepping in and being that difference takes some time. Declare, hopefully it'll be a nice welcome addition. Hopefully he's skating now um, coming in. But when you look at, yeah, the injuries that the, you know, the team sustain, I mean, it's, it's this tough one. You really haven't had your full lineup in throughout the whole year. You know, until late, minus Duclair. So um, I, I think, the, you know, it's a couple new players. Guys are starting to get familiar with one another and, and you're starting to see a little bit of a connection in that area right now. Uh, we're chatting with uh, Ed Jovanoski, uh, Panthers analyst. I'm curious, Ed, to get your thoughts on maybe how, you know, Panthers fans and, and analysts such as yourself kind of look back on the big trade that happened this offseason, um, bringing in Matthew Kachuk, but seeing some quality pieces go out the door, Jonathan Huberdeau, Mackenzie Weger, also a draft pick and a prospect. Now, the team success hasn't quite been there, but Matthew Kachuk has been one of the better players in the entire league this season. So when you look back on it, I mean, is this still something that you think the Panthers would be willing to make if they had a chance to do a redo? Or do you think that this is one where they look back and say, eh, maybe we jumped the gun a little on that trade? I think you can look at it in so many different ways. I think if you ask Bill Zito, he'll pull the trigger again. <laughs> the guy that executed the trade. Um, you're getting a 24-year-old um, coming off a great year. Um, he's repeating that this year. He's been everything and more coming to uh, coming to Florida. Uh, kind of drags the boys into the fight. He's one of those players. And you really kind of make that trade thinking, you know, that kind of attitude and that kind of game will really suit, you know, this team in the playoffs. Losing Huberto, he's an older guy, not older, but, you know, we in, in hockey where you got unrestricted free agency, can you sign this guy? Is he willing to, you know, take the dollar amount? Um, being at that age, it's, it's always kind of a, you know, you toss that around, but I, I think the decision was made. Um, on the back end, though, when you lose a Mackenzie Weger, you almost don't realize what, you know, what you're missing until he's really gone. You know, he's been – him and Ekblad were really that pair, and I think Ekblad has really missed, you know, Weger in that situation. And it's then a trickle-down effect. You know, you replace you, – you get rid of Weger, you know, Montu replaces him, who's having an unbelievable year. But after that, I think that trickle-down effect really starts to kind of implement itself, you know, on that back end. So um, you can look at it in so many different scenarios. I, I think the trade, um, you know, was a good trade for Florida. I mean, it's not 
doesn't look the greatest now because where the team is right now and everyone's kind of pointing fingers, you know, to that. I think all the people that are in hockey, you know, trades happen, you know, and you're not bringing in, you know, some ordinary player. You brought in Matthew Kachuk who has, you know, a lot of hockey ahead of him. And I felt that, you know, the team that they needed to make this move just to shake things up a little bit. Is there anyone back in, in your playing days that, you know, you battled with that kind of reminds you of Kachuk? Ilya Samsonov, the goaltender of the Maple Leafs yesterday, called him a, it's like a mosquito. He's just out there and just bugging you all the time. I mean, is there someone who's just a, a, a pain in the ass that you had to play with back in the day? Well, I played, and my teammate of mine was a little poor man's Kachuk, was probably Matt Cook. Oh, yeah. You know, just if you turn the wrong way and you're out looking, he's coming after you. He's finishing checks after the whistle. Um, he's letting you know that he's there and he's always playing that hard style. Now, Matthew Kachuk is not, the, you know, the fastest skater. You know, he really, you know, he looks his line mates um, he's playing with, you know, Bennett and Verhage, guys with speed that kind of carry the load and really kind of put the puck in areas where Matthew likes it behind the, you know, underneath the goal line. And he's good along the boards, and he kind of invites players there, and, and they get that creativity going from that. But, you know, he's definitely a guy that, um, you know, you watch him. He's always in that blue paint area, right? He's always kind of disturbed, you know, someone. But I, I think for most players, even I can speak to myself too, the more I got involved in the game, you know, the better I felt I was playing. The passion was there, and I felt that if I lost that passion, I was just – you know, kind of ordinary. So I think that's what you're seeing out of Matthew Kachuk. We're with Ed Jovanovski right now, head of the Leafs and the Panthers tonight at Scotiabank Arena. So Kachuk, a major move this summer for the Florida Panthers after a pretty successful year last year. Uh, the other major thing, major change, was Andrew Burnett let go and Paul Maurice brought in. And I'll note that a lot of people in Leafs Nation kind of looked over at, at Florida Panthers having a good year and still opting to change their core and opting to change their coach and saying, hey, why aren't we doing that? So I know it hasn't been off to a amazing start with Paul Maurice, but, but what's the sense that you get the, the read is on him in the dressing room? Well, like I said earlier, I, I think what you're seeing right now is I think the guys are, <clears throat> it's taken a while, but I think the buy-in is there on kind of what he's preaching. You know, I think, you know, nowadays you have to have that, you know, really tight, uh, insulated team to win in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, score goals. It's no secret. We've got to score goals. But, you know, I think this team was a wide-open team. I'm not saying that's why they lost to Tampa. Uh, maybe the inexperience of coaching, maybe that's why they made the trade. No one really has come out and said why they made a move. I think we're just, you know, assuming that I think you're bringing in a veteran guy to kind of get the team to the next step. But I, I think, you know, of late, <clears throat> what I'm hearing from the guys that they're, they're, they're getting it, they're understanding that the way that this team needs to play to be successful. And I think we're seeing kind of, you know, the results of that, here in the last 10 games, being a couple games over 500. We're chatting with uh, Ed Jovanovski, former NHL defenseman. Last one for you before we let you go. Um, Morgan Riley kind of fighting it right now on both ends of the rink. You know, you're somebody who had a lot of success on both sides of the ice yourself, but I'm sure there were ups and downs through your career. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that, you know, maybe some advice maybe that you would have for a guy like Riley who's just kind of fighting it a little bit right now? Is there anything deliberately that you would do to kind of break out of a funk? Well, I'm, I'm sure he's heard that. 
you know, same thing that all defensemen, you know, here. I, I think sometimes when when things aren't going the way you want them to go, you try to dumb things down a little bit. I, I think let the puck do the work, right? Don't make that extra move. You see an open guy, you hit him with the pass. He's such a good skater that he has the ability to get in every play, you know, being that fourth or fifth guy, you know, attack. And then on the defensive side, do your job. You know, sometimes being being the caliber player he is, he's trying to maybe do someone else's job. You know, I think just concentrate on doing your job. You know, take the guy out if you've got to rub him out. Um, a lot of talk in the D zone. Uh, guys like this that are all-star players, are elite players, they find themselves, um, you know, sometimes, you know, caught. You know, maybe the confidence is lacking a little bit, but overall they find them, their way out of it. And, um the true pro and he'll I'm sure he'll find that but I, I think less is more in these situations I remember you know Dave Tippett all the time even you know well into you know my late 20s early 30s you know let the puck do the work you know less is more get the puck to the forwards join the play uh, just be that reliable guy and I think he'll fight him find himself out of this well, he'll have a chance to uh, try and fight his way out of it tonight, although he'll have uh, uh, a guy like Matthew Kachuk in his grill for uh, for a little bit of it, but we'll see We'll see if he can get it done. Really appreciate taking the time, uh, Ed, and uh, enjoy the game tonight. Hopefully we can chat again soon. All right, guys, anytime. Thank you. All right, there he goes. Ed Jovanoski, uh, former NHLer and Panthers analyst. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I... I Morgan Riley is an interesting and polarizing player. I think we're going to have Mark Masters on in, in a couple of minutes. We're going to get into He's Mr. Leaf. Eight no. mo deal. Eight mo years. Like, come on. Yeah. Not a year ago, that was celebrated. Right now. Exactly. We're yeah. talking about right now. A year ago, celebrated. Today, there's a lot of people with the you know the emoji with the teeth, where it's just like. Like that's yeah. that's where people are doing, kind of looking and saying, "Okay, what's going on with with Mo right now?" We'll get into this more with Mark Masters. He's going to join us uh, on the other side. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tashiri. You're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050.